Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. I read a statistic somewhere that if we gave a minute of silence for every aborted baby in America, it'd be 11 years of silence. We have an opportunity to see this gross sin over our nation broken if we press and persist and pray and call upon God and he will heal our land. Our land is broken because of this. I really appreciate our president doing this takes a lot. Almost, uh, I've only been involved in the political realm as far as voting now for 50 years. And so I've seen a few presidential cycles and, and Congress, different things. And uh, as Richard pointed out, this is the first one that came to a, a, a right to life and spoke at it. You know, rather than just playing both sides um, to to uh, please as many as possible. So continue to pray, continue to press in, continue to break down strongholds. Strongholds can be broken down, but you cannot take a territory from a strong man until you bind the strong man. And uh, that's the church's responsibility. As, a, as believers, that's our responsibility. Uh, that's going to lead me into what I believe God has given me to share this morning out of uh, going to read out of the book of Exodus. I want to look at the children of Israel, their exit from Egypt and slavery and, and their uh, deliverance through a powerful God and then the making of a nation. Uh, the nation of Israel, and so we're going to do that. <clears throat> As I got into this subject, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point I almost just gave up on it and said, well, I, I think I'll just preach on uh, love. But if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. We're going to begin there. In chapter 13, in the 17th verse. Now, the title of my chapter says, Israel's Wilderness Detour. I love that. A detour. Some of the things that scare me the most when I'm out with friends is when they say, oh, I know a shortcut. Piece of cake, man. I know a detour. Those usually uh, take you into all kinds of things that you're uh, sorry you got into later. But I like to call this a wandering generation. A wandering generation, a a complete generation of people 
who ended up wandering about. It's an 11 day journey and they turned it into 40 years. So Exodus 13, chapter 17, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So get a picture in your mind. Israel was like an army ready for battle. They had just come out of 400 years of slavery. That's all this, this people knew is slavery. And it got worse and worse and worse. It was so bad at the end. It was just overwhelmingly uh, devastating to them. And then God brings them deliverance. And when they go, it says that they go, they went as an army ready for battle. I think it took less than 48 hours. I could not verify the exact timeline here, but less than 48 hours for them to begin to complain and murmur about their deliverance and their freedoms and start to think in terms of, I, I think we had it better in Egypt. I want to draw a correlation this morning between the book of Exodus, and I encourage everybody to read the book of Exodus in the next week or so. Just read it. And then also, uh, when you think of the 42 different stops that Israel made, or camps that they made throughout this time of 40 years, take a look at the book of Job and its 42 chapters and how each chapter correlates with one of the spots that uh, the children of Israel camped out and what they went through. It's amazing. It's so connected. But why 40 years? Why, a, and, and 40 years is a generation. Why 40 years? They were called out. They were delivered from slavery. They were passed through the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism, giving us the idea and the example of the modern day church or the church today, baptism through water. They passed through the water and the water then closed on the entire uh, e Egyptian army that was pursuing them at the time, their chariots, their horses, their, their warriors and, and uh, closed in around them as a type of baptism, leaving behind when we are baptized in water, um, it's, it's representative of the deliverance of God in our lives and we leave behind the old nature. We leave behind the old man 
as it says. And uh, <clears throat> they just experienced this amazing thing that happened of the waters parting, the wind, the east wind blowing all night, a hot wind, drying the ground to get to the other side, left behind, and within another 40 hours, 48 hours, they were once again disbelieving and complaining and murmuring and not trusting God. So throughout their trip, um, they experienced a tremendous hand of deliverance from slavery and bondage to being baptized. And then later on, we see that the Holy Spirit was given and they were guided by the Holy Spirit. So it's very atypical of the church and what every believer experiences in their life. No matter what our previous life was like, some of us had very difficult lives and we gave ourselves over to all kinds of, of uh, addictions and bondages and different things like that. But whether you were really a good person or you just went headlong into everything you could experience in life, in this sinful life, it doesn't matter. It's all bondage. It's all bondage until you receive Jesus Christ and, and the forgiveness of sins and appropriate his blood to cover you. Again, you gotta ask the question, why 40 years? God could do all these miracles, why couldn't he just snap them into believing differently? You know, why'd he let them wander? Wandering about. Let me read you something about that. I, I went to the thesaurus, and here we have for wander. To stroll, to amble, to saunter, to dawdle, to trudge. And it goes on and on and on. And I would think over 40 years, they probably experienced a little bit of every one of those uh, aspects. You know, there's a good day. We're going to walk today. We're going to make some progress in, in God. Other days, probably just total trudgery. But one thing they did do in 40 years of living in the wilderness, in the desert, is they learned the desert. They learned it. They knew all about the desert. You could not spend 40 years in the land like that and not learn all the things about it. And they became very comfortable in that. I don't know what all you could learn in the desert, but after 40 years, you could learn all the little aspects of it, what to watch for, what not to watch for, what's not good for you and what is good for you. Also in the middle of all this, God continued to show himself with them in his care, his presence, his love. It says he led them with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. It did two things. It showed them that God was with them and it showed all the peoples of the land as they traveled 
this amazing thing, what's going on here, their God is with them. Came to a place of needing something to drink. They were thirsty. They got bitter water. God sweetened the water. How long did that last? Until they were thirsty again. And then, where are you now, God? Where are you now? I mean, in just a short amount of time from, wow, God is so fabulous. God is so good. God is so great. We love our great God. We do that every Sunday. God is so good. God is so great. We love this awesome God. And we get home, and on Monday, we're like, where are you, God? It's Monday. And we have bitter water on Monday. I love the manna from heaven. How about that? You never had to do anything. You didn't have to plan a meal. You know, it's just down to my wife and I pretty much, except on Mondays when we have grandkid days and we have to figure out what we're going to cook for dinner at our kids' house. But pretty much it's just us two. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, at 5 o'clock, we know we'll be hungry by 5.30. Should we start thinking about what we need to get to make for dinner? And then we spend the next half hour not finding anything, you know, discussing it. You know, do, you, do we want to make a pizza? Do we want to get some hamburger? Do we want to do fish? Do we want to do this? Well, could you imagine? You never had to do any of that. God fed you. You just had to go out and pick it up off the ground and eat it. Tastes like coriander and honey. I don't know what coriander and honey would taste like exactly, but I, I watched Chopped, and they use coriander a lot. But you never had to plan a meal. You just didn't even have to plan a meal. It's just there, and it's good for you, you know? It, it was nutritional. It was uh, everything you needed to be. It was gluten-free for those folks. It, it, it had gluten for the other folks. It, it just had it all. Never had to think about it. This is great. I never have to plan another meal. I'm sick of this stuff. I'm sick of this food. God, can't you change the menu? Didn't take long. You see, we are prone in our flesh to always want to be back into a place of bondage. Because Paul said it this way, in my flesh, in me, that is in my body, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. It's sinful flesh. It will always murmur and it will always complain about God and about one another. And it's the, 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 the same nature, Jesus pointed out, the nature of your father, the devil. He said that to the religious people of the day. He said, well, you're, you're of your father, the devil. Ouch. I remember uh, uh, a brother one time was trying to share with a, an, an unbeliever 
I'm still friends to this day with this unbeliever. We used to run dogs together, uh, uh, dog teams. And uh, I just ran into him three days ago over at the post office. And uh, in trying to share the gospel with this man, this brother says, well, you're of your, you're of your father, the devil. And, you know, it's kind of a hyper-spiritual thing to do. I mean, Jesus said it to the religious. It was an open rebuke. They understood it. To the unbeliever, they're like, you call my dad the devil? Anyway, all these years later, you know what stands out to him? That. He's still not a believer. I'm still his friend. We still promise to get together whenever we see each other. We never do it, but we always promise we're going to do it. Uh, but he still remembers this brother telling him his father is the devil. So they're in the wilderness. They're, they don't have to plan a meal out. They don't even have to cook it. How about that? You don't even have to cook it. I've been a re real, we've been at a real disadvantage because I refused to go out and start up my, uh, my barbecue uh, until it warms up again a little bit. Um, didn't even have to think about how are we going to prepare this. It, it just was perfect food. It was perfect food. Manna from heaven. But we're going to complain about it. We're going to find fault with God over it. And we're going to say, well, God, I'm ready for some meat. Sorry, vegans. I'm ready for some meat. So a wind blows, and it blows a whole bunch of quail in, and they have meat. God wants to bless them. He wants to bless them. Well, that doesn't last long either. Soon after that, they're thirsty again. So God brings them water where there is no water. No water. He brings them water out of a rock. They did this for 40 years. 40 years. Now I want to talk about the church world. I've been in the church world a while. Why is the church world so much like the experience of the children of Israel in the wilderness? We're just like it. Jesus said of us, he said, you know, the, the lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin, and, and God gives them everything they need and, and causes, causes them to radiate with glory. And yet we worry every day. How am I going to make it? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to do that? What am I going to eat? How, how are we going to manage this? How am I going to clothe my children? Uh, the school supplies, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do this? And you know what? At the end of the day, when you look back, you go, oh, wow. 
I mean, it's not like the, the church world today is a lot better. It's not like when Nancy and I first started out and we had to walk the seven miles here in the snowstorm. But we've got to ask ourselves, why do we keep going around this mountain again and again and again and again and again? How come Christians are so often... Um, I was in business for many years, and I would hear this said by people. I will never do business with a Christian. Well, why is that? Well, because they're not what they represent themselves to be. They disappointed me here, or they cheated me there, or they didn't follow through with this, and they didn't follow through with that. You know, and we all have these Christian things. Most Christian businesses have the little fish on their business card to show secretly, hey, I'm a Christian, you can trust me. So, uh, you know, and over and over and over and over, I've heard the stories, they've come to me, Man, I, I hired this guy to come and, and, and do this for me because he had a little fish there and he's a Christian and even the name of his business was Christian. You know, it's kind of like a hidden message in there. And then he never completed the work after I paid him. I will never do business with a Christian again. Well, there's a reason for that. When you figure it out, could you let me know? I think it's because we never have broken through into walking in the promise as the children of Israel did. It took them 40 years, their lack of faith, to believe God and for them to go through into the promised land. And as a whole, the church does not live in the promised land. We still live in the wilderness. You know, how come a Christian that's been going to church 20 years still is like this? We all know somebody like that. You all know me. I'm just like that. I think it's because we have missed the challenge as a church, and we try to endeavor here to do things a little, we try to endeavor not to do that. But the, the challenge is, is not a Christian being 20 years old in the Lord, meaning mature, responsible, taking uh, responsibility for themselves and their spiritual walk and their spiritual life, and pressing into the things of God and teaching others. What we've done as a church as a whole, we've make, made that individual not 20 years old in the Lord, but one year old in the Lord with 20 anniversaries. Never progressing. You see, the Apostle Paul says, I consider everything lost that I might press on to the mark of the high calling that I might capture Christ and he be manifest in my life. That's literally what he's saying. He said that I can capture Christ, the essence of him, who he is, what he says, obedience to him, live according to that, that I might press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus.
as a church in America, we have set ourselves up for failure. We really have. Um, we simply begin to feed manna with the idea as long as they're getting everything they need on Sunday morning. The rest of the week, devil may care. As long as they're getting everything they need on a Sunday morning, then that'll keep them coming to church on Sunday. God does not want any more Christians. God wants disciples. People that hear the voice of Jesus come up to them and say, come, follow me, and I will make this of you. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you complete. I will make you whole. I will fill you with purpose. I will fill you with direction. And you will become a person that no longer needs to be taught, but you'll be able to teach others as well. I've almost come to the place where when people ask me, like on an airplane or wherever you're at, you know, where you're captive and you can't get away, and they, they, they ask you, you know, your beliefs or whatever. I've gotten to the point I don't say I'm a Christian. I say I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Because as soon as you, they hear I'm a Christian, they picture that little fish on your business card, and you failed them. You disappointed them. You didn't follow through. Well, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. We're all going to have shortcomings, no matter how hard you try, because we're human. But if we get past this idea that that's just how we're going to be, and we say, like Paul, he says, forgetting all things. Paul had to forget his accomplishment. Paul, the apostle, was a very accomplished person one of the best educated in religion of the day, which was the best doctrine of the day, by the way. They were the ones that knew God best, and they were killing Christians. Um, they didn't recognize Christ. They killed him. But he says, forgetting all of my accomplishments, he also had to include in that statement, it had to be included in that statement, and all my failures because I'm responsible for having put Christians to death. Paul had to come to that place where I am simply going to pursue Jesus Christ and him only. That's my pursuit. That's my goal to, to achieve that pressing on towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I consider all things lost. I've always looked at that scripture for many years as he, he had to lay behind all of what made him important in life, all of his accomplishments. But then I began to realize he also had to lay down all of his failures. You see, when he stood before Christ, and he received Jesus Christ, he was immediately faced with he had been killing and had the, had the authority to put to death Christians. And now God's calling him to go back to those places 
And could you believe, could, could you imagine gathering together with a group of people? In fact, it said when, when the Apostle Paul first began to preach, people were like, yeah, he's faking us out so he can find who we are and kill us. But you'd have to be in the same room with a mother, a father, a wife, a husband, and you were personally responsible for having them put to death for their faith. He couldn't do it unless he came to that place. I consider everything loss, and I lay everything down, and I leave everything behind. You've got to leave everything behind if you truly want to become a disciple of Christ. You don't want to become a Christian that's just one year old in the Lord, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times over. But you want to be a mature follower of Jesus Christ. You have to leave all of that behind. And then while on your trip, while on your journey, you got to quit complaining about everything. You just got to quit it. The church world is full of murmurers and complainers. We all do it. We've all fallen in that area. I have fallen in that area. Go home from church, go, huh? Small crowd today. They're all sick. They're all this. They're all out playing snow machining. They're all mushing dogs, whatever they're doing. And the worship was kind of, eh. How many of you have ever compared worship? Come on. Yeah, worship was kind of, huh. You know, worship has nothing to do with this team up here. Worship has to do with what you do. You know, when you come here and you're like, man, I need God. I've got to touch him this morning. I, I, want, I want him to touch me. You go away going, because God never fails in that. You go away going, wow, that was fantastic. I've heard people come up to me one time, uh, many times, that was a great message today, Pastor. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And I know definitely it was not. But you know what happened? They came, they were hungry, something in that message, the Holy Spirit triggered it. Off they went with the Holy Spirit. They're out there going, Wah. and I'm sitting here going, yeah, and they wandered around and mambled and sauntered through the wilderness. Oh, it's a blustery day. <laughs> and afterwards, that was a good word. And again, I can say, no, it really wasn't. It wasn't one of, one of the better words I've given, but I know right then that the Holy Spirit had them. And they were off with the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking to their heart, and he's filling them. The difference was they came wanting to hear from God. If you come wanting to hear from me, you're going to be disappointed. If you turn your TV on to listen to the greatest preachers, and I, I mean, if you're looking for really good preaching, don't go to church. Just turn your TV on. They're there. It's full of them. But that's not really what it's all about. But when you come with it in your heart, I'm pressing into the things of God. I'm going to press on to God. I'm going to continue to seek Him. I'm hungry for Him. I'm hungry for change. I'm hungry for my life not to continue to go around this same mountain over and over and over. I'm hungry, and I want to hear from you, God, 
You go away going, wow, that was really good. You see, it's up to us. It's up to you. The disappointing thing in all of this is even though it's up to you, and even though we have some fantastic leaders, we're never going to progress because we're all going to enter the promised land together. So there's many wonderful saints out there that are just sitting there going, thank you, God, I just love you, Lord. Would you please get your church together? And I'll leave us with this thought. How many have ever found fault with people in the church? We all do. But I want us to look at that from a little different perspective. What if I came up to you and said, you know, I, I, really, I, I really love you, brother. You're like one of my best friends. You're pretty cool. You got it together. I like hanging out with you. But I just don't like your wife. She's kind of weird. Isn't that kind of what we're saying to God? Jesus, I, I really like you. But your wife's a little weird, and I don't want to be around her. I don't know. You come to me, that wouldn't go over too well. Tell me my wife's weird. You're not going to get invited to dinner. So let's be careful about that. Let's be careful about these Take, take the example that's left to us in Scripture and uh, just go ahead and read through Exodus and Joshua in the next few days or week. Job, well, Job, but uh, Joshua is where they entered the promised land. I know what I'm doing here. And then say, Lord, show me my life. And how much of this am I doing? And how much of this am I looking back at my former life or how life could be if, you know? And just say, stop it. I'm just going to stop it. I'm going to start pursuing Jesus. I'm going to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take that in your heart. Say, I don't want to be just a Christian year after year. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want my life to change and become that person. Amen? Let's all stand up. We're going to close with a song. Now, I know the Holy Spirit was here today. So I expect every single one of you to say, that was a great message, Pastor. Because it's because of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.